You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Follow us, like us on Facebook. We are Locked On Packers there as well. We're Locked On Packers everywhere and Locked On Packers every day. We're coming to you a little bit later on Wednesday because the supplemental draft happened today. And what I didn't want to have happen was to come on and have a conversation about whatever and then have the Packers surprise everyone, use a pick, and then not have the flexibility to talk about it. That is what a daily show is for. That is why you listen, so that if there is breaking news, you get a reaction to it, and we get to talk about it, and you get to be immersed in every waking detail of your team. That is what you're here for. The Packers didn't make a selection in the supplemental draft. There was speculation that uh, several players were going to be drafted. Eventually, two were, including... The New York Giants using a third-round supplemental pick on Sam Beal, the cornerback from Western Michigan. And the reason that is a big deal is that was one of the players Green Bay was interested in. Brian Gutekinst had been at his workout in the run-up to the supplemental draft. But just as a reminder for how this works, if you use a supplemental draft choice, you forfeit that level of draft choice next year. And so this is it is not common for a player to to be selected that high, if at all, because the penalty is so great. And this was the highest a supplemental pick had been made since 2012. Essentially, you you bid in some ways for a player. You say this is this is who I would, you know, this is what I would use, what pick I would use, and then if someone uses a higher pick, uh, they get the player. It's a it's a it's not the same. As okay, you know, one, two, three, four, five. It doesn't work quite that way, and it's not not exactly the way that I just described it. It's a it's a somewhat convoluted system, and the moral of the story is Green Bay did not take any players. I don't think that's a problem. I got some questions about before the draft whether or not Green Bay would be interested. I think I think Beal would have been interesting to them. And would have particularly been interesting to them had they not made so many moves in the offseason with their cornerbacks. Green Bay is not in a position right now that they need those, at least that we know of. And this is the thing about trying to establish team needs. I go through at the end of every season, and actually it's really a constant process, but I would say when the season is done and we know who the the champion was and, and, and whatever— I have a running spreadsheet of every team and the needs that they have. And so that is useful to me just so I can stay up to date on 
who is struggling at what position, who needs to get better here, and just and just sort of have it visually for me. And I can look at a team and I say, okay, they they you know they have issues at corner, at offensive tackle, at running back and quarterback, or whatever it is. And I, and I try and prioritize them based on the importance of those positions. Remember, we've talked about the way that that I think building a team works with the priority of the different positions. But so let's say someone drafts a quarterback. You know, the Rams they draft Jared Goff, for example. As we go into the next season. Quarterback may still be a question for them, but they've addressed it. And one of the big reasons I use this this system is so that I know around draft time who is going to be looking at what positions. And so the Rams, regardless of whether or not Jared Goff was going to be good, they were not going to take a quarterback. Right now, I think you can say cornerback is a question mark for the Packers, but I don't think we can say that it is a place that they're going to allocate resources, at least in the near term. And so that's what that's what made Sam Beal, uh, you know, probably not as appealing as he would have otherwise been. Green Bay got two, in my opinion, first round talents at quarterback, cornerback. And actually, if, if you know, I understand that that was a, a flub, but I think they actually have three first round talents in their quarterback room too. Or at least I thought that about those prospects coming out. I thought Brett Hundley was a borderline first-round prospect coming out. Uh, I was probably wrong about that. I thought Deshaun Kaiser was a first-round prospect. I still think that. Still think he's a first-round talent, and obviously Aaron Rodgers. But we don't know what these what these players are going to look like until we see them on the field. And right now, I think you have to say cornerback is an area of concern, but it is not a place that Green Bay is going to go out and allocate resources. Not until we know what Kevin King looks like. Not until we know what Josh Jackson look like, looks like. Not until we know what Jair Alexander looks like. We have to see these players. Green Bay has thrown a tremendous amount of resources over the last few years at the cornerback position and yet has very little to show for it. They traded one of those guys. Haha Clinton Dix is a safety, but a, a defensive back position that that has been a problem for Green Bay and was a problem for Green Bay last year. Clinton Dix did not play well. And last year, their first two picks were defensive backs. This is this is a place where they have allocated a ton of capital. But this was just this was not the right circumstance for them to allocate capital here. And we'll see moving forward where they feel like they need to put these resources. When you look at this team from top to bottom, right now, I think it's hard to look and say, these are the obvious flaws. There are some places depth-wise that aren't ideal, but when you look at the starters, the preferred starters anyway, if we assume Brian Bulaga is going to be healthy, at least at some point, then where do you look? I mean, where do you point to and say, this team is missing X, Y, Z. If their outside linebackers are healthy, that's a very good group. If their defensive front is healthy, that's an awesome group. If their offensive line is healthy, it's one of the three or five-ish best offensive lines in the league. They've got a deep running back group, although I've taken some, some flack for that. No, we don't have proven guys back there, but what they do have is three players that we've seen show flashes and show capabilities and, and that's enough. I mean, it really is when you have Aaron Rodgers. There's skill as pass catchers. 
with Adams, Cobb, Graham, even Mercedes Lewis. The linebacking position, Blake Martinez, borderline pro bowler. I thought he should have been a pro bowler last year. Now, we don't, we don't know what Josh Jones is going to be as a safety. You hope HaHa Clinton-Dix has a recovery and, and plays closer to his Pro Bowl level of 2016. And then you've got this cornerback group. I mean, is there is there really a position on this on this team, a starting level position, where you can point to and say, I have serious questions about that player if they're on the field? I don't think so. I mean, truly. And part of that is we don't know what Kevin King is, so we we have to wait and see. And that and that's that's not totally fair. There's probably going to be two of the three starting corners on this team are going to be either first or second year players. And so that'll be a question just of consistency and continuity. But when you look at talent, where are you looking on this team and saying they don't have enough talent? They have some depth questions, offensive line, offensive tackle, outside linebacker. We're going to wait and see what Vince Beagle is. I have no questions about their cornerback talent. They have considerable cornerback talent now. They have a bunch of receiver talent, even if a lot of those players are unproven. So I think anytime the team has an opportunity to get better, there was some snark I saw on Twitter. um, You know, some of the comments that I got that, oh, you know, the Packers would never do anything in the supplemental draft. Well, first of all, it is a big penalty to pay to take a player in the supplemental draft. But more than that, even if it was just a fifth or a sixth round pick, where is the pressing need for Green Bay? I don't know that there is a pressing need. This is a very talented roster. They just happen to play in a conference where there are a lot of really talented rosters. So I got an interesting question that I wanted to expand on a little bit over the the second half of the show. And that is this question about Blake Martinez in the run game. And the question is essentially, is Blake Martinez a Pro Bowl linebacker or does he benefit from the front? And the answer is both. I think you you can't talk about the quality, especially in a 3-4 defense, of an inside linebacker in particular without talking about the quality of the players that are playing in front of them because so much of the responsibilities here is to free those linebackers, to, to eat up gaps and let those linebackers be in a position to flow downhill and make plays on ball carriers. And if you look at, so Pro Football Focus has this, this number called stops, and it is uh, tackles that create, that, that take a team out of schedule. So, you know, if it's first and 10 and you make a tackle less than less than five yards, less than four yards, that's a stop. Third and two, you make a tackle for one yard, that's a stop. If you're keeping offenses behind and not allowing them to get first downs or behind down in distance at or near the line of scrimmage in most cases for these defensive linemen because they're not usually chasing these guys. The number one player in the league among interior defensive linemen for stops was Damon Harrison. The number two player was Kenny Clark. He had 36 stops according to Pro Football Focus along with 22 quarterback hurries which is the most of any player in the top six in stops. He was one of the most efficient run-defending players in football, one of the most effective run-defending players in football, and actually was much more productive 
as a run defender than Mike Daniels. Now, I understand Mike Daniels missed some time, but he had 32 stops and he had 20 quarterback hurries. So you have arguably the best one-two punch of defensive linemen, especially defending the run in football. And then you add Muhammad Wilkerson to that mix. I don't think we're going to have any better idea of who or what drives this run defense in terms of the success of Blake Martinez. We know for sure because a defensive lineman's success rises or falls on his play. They do not rely on anyone else but their own skill and guile and strength and all the things that they have to do to get off blocks, to read plays and make plays. That is that is on them. Linebackers rely a lot on other players because they need to be free they need to be able to see it and they need to be able to flow freely and quickly to the ball carrier. And so if Blake Martinez is playing behind, you know, Jarrell Worthy and, you know, some of the the defensive lines that that Green Bay has trotted out there in the past, no, he doesn't have the kind of season that he he would have if he's he's playing behind a different defensive front, but he's not. He's playing behind these guys. Now, He should have more opportunities. Blake Martinez was third in the league, tied for third in stops for a linebacker. That's a lot. And he's on the list with with guys like Bobby Wagner and Levante David and Luke Kuechly. In fact, had more than Luke Kuechly. As a run defender, Martinez is an instinctive player. He flies downhill and makes plays. It is difficult to to extract him from the quality of the players in front of him and say, independent of that, Blake Martinez is X. Now, we can we can find out more about Blake Martinez if he improves in coverage because the coverage is much more on him. For as good as he was against the run, he was the 12th worst linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus, in coverage last season. Now, I think that's somewhat unfair. I don't think he was as bad as as that as that grade says. He was also very steady as a tackler on those plays. So yes, he might allow a reception, but then he's making a play immediately following. And what's interesting to me is a couple of the guys on this list, Ray Ray Armstrong, Dion Buchanan, Alec Ogletree, Darren Lee, Jordan Evans, Kiko Alonso, Zach Brown, these are guys who can run, who are fast. Blake Martinez is, is a faster linebacker. Martinez has a has a coverage grade just ahead of Jamie Collins, who is supposed to be a guy who can cover in space. Not much ahead of Shaq Thompson, who is absolutely supposed to be a coverage linebacker. There are a lot of and so some of these guys are are on the field because they can cover. Dion Buchanan was a safety in college. One of his best traits is that he's supposed to be able to cover. It is becoming harder and harder to rely on linebackers to do that, which is why you're seeing Green Bay go get someone like Oren Burks and why you're seeing Josh Jones play more in the box. But that is much more reflective of a player's individual ability, but also scheme. Because Green Bay did not put their defenders, especially on the back end, in the most advantageous positions for them to succeed. And you would expect that they would with Mike Patton. You look at those defenses in New York. They did not have great 
athletes at inside linebacker. Now, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but we're talking about eight, nine years ago. Even even five, six years ago, defenses did not have to deal with the same sort of spread attacks, the up-tempos, the, the matchup football that is being played in the NFL now. But Mike Patton was successful with guys like Bart Scott and David Harris, who were not great coverage players. They were, they were very good run-defending players. Bart Scott was an excellent pass rusher as an inside blitzer as well. But these, these opportunities that Blake Martinez is going to have to prove himself, they're going to be more in coverage because we're never going to be able to fully extract and unlink Martinez's success from the front's success. But that being said, that's okay. Because no linebacker can be successful. Luke Keekley is as good as Luke Keekley is in part because he is an outstanding talent. He's an incredible football player. But the, the Panthers have consistently had very good defensive fronts. Bobby Wagner is an excellent, outstanding, incandescent talent as a linebacker. True. He also benefits from the system that he plays in, the talent around him, and the defensive front that he has. Not to mention the, the secondary that he has. He has to fill a very specific role. Blake Martinez is being asked to fill a very specific role. And last year, he played that role very well. I thought he should have been a pro bowl linebacker. Part of the problem for him is he's in the same conference with Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley and Levante David. And even though David isn't an inside linebacker, it is hard because they don't differentiate 4-3-3-4. You've got outside linebackers. Some of those are 3-4 guys. It gets a little convoluted. I thought he should have been on the team. He wasn't. I think he can be on the team this year because he's going to have even more opportunities to be an impact run defender. And I think he's going to be in better position with the better athletes around him. If you get If you get better athletes around a linebacker like Martinez... You ask him to do a little bit less, and his mistakes get covered up a little bit more, he looks better. And I think Mike Pettin is going to bring that to this team and make Blake Martinez look even better. I I said a couple weeks ago, I don't think it's crazy that the Packers would have three defensive linemen who are all Pro Bowl players. I think that's possible. I think this defense can be really good, depending on how the corners play. But regardless of how the corners play, This defensive front should really be able to get after teams. And Blake Martinez, he is not just a product of those defensive linemen. It's not enough to just be free to make plays. You have to still go make the plays. And he did last year. And he did consistently last year. And I expect him to be better. He's going to be better schooled. He's going to be more experienced. I mean, remember, this is his first full season as the guy at that position. And so we can... Progress is not always linear. That's true. But he's also gone through his struggles. He dealt with the injuries and fought his way through them to get to this point. Struggled to get minutes over Joey Thomas and and some of these guys who are just not as good as him and fought his way through it, earned his minutes, earned his spot, and is now kicking ass and taking names. And that's what you want out of a linebacker. If you, The number one trait that I want out of a linebacker even in the modern NFL, he better be an ass kicker. He better be an ass kicker. 
I want a guy that wants to come and let you know he's going to be here all day. That is going to come up and hit you in the mouth. And Blake Martinez will do that. He can do other things. He had a couple interceptions sort of go right through his fingertips. I bet his grade would have been a lot better if he had turned those pass breakups into picks. Can he make those opportunities into higher impact plays this season? If he can, we'll learn a lot more about who Blake Martinez is, how good he is, and how good he can be. Now, you heard me mention Pro Football Focus. Let me help you get that kind of information. There's so much data that Pro Football Focus gives you access to, stuff that can help you win your fantasy football league if you know how to use it. And they explain how to use it because they have people who know what they're talking about. Get that information that is normally behind a paywall, a $39.99 value. Get it for free when you win our contest. To enter, all you have to do is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. This is the data the pros use. All 32 NFL teams currently have a relationship with Pro Football Focus to get their data. So get the data the pros use by entering and winning our contest. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review on iTunes to enter. All right, we're getting close to training camp and we're getting close to figuring out who's going to be on this roster and who's not, who's going to be cut, who Green Bay could be interested in. And once training camp opens, there's going to be a lot to talk about, a lot going on. And so we're going to go to a four show a week format, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It should allow you to stay up to date on what's going on in practice, what's going on around the league, what's going on everywhere in the NFL. Acme Packing Company is going to have a 53-man roster projection. I'm going to be writing about some of those position groups. Um, and obviously, you know, the rest of our team is going to be writing about the others. Check out all of that stuff at Acme Packing Company. We are on it when it comes to everything Packers. So is fan-sided. So is Pro Football Weekly. Remember, you can always send me ideas, send me questions, send me topics that you want to be on Locked on Packers on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can tweet at the show at Locked on Packers. You can leave a comment in the Facebook group section. The Locked on Packers Facebook group is there. You can rate that. It will not enter you into the Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway, but I will appreciate it. So there's that. And remember, all of the podcast content is at Locked on Packers. There is a little bit of a quiet time before we really start to amp up in the next couple weeks. And it's going to be here before you know it. Week one is going to be here before you know it. And so that means we have a ton of things to get to between now and then. Be the smartest Packer fan on your block, at your bar, on your street, in your apartment building, wherever you are, by staying locked on Packer.